Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. Before we get started, a quick word about our sponsor, Offer to Close. Offer to Close is a transaction coordinator service helping agents get more transactions from contract to close. Spend less time doing the paperwork and more time on your business. Learn more at OfferToClose.com. If you're listening to the show, then you know tech is changing all industries and fast. The rental property industry is not immune to this at all. And thanks to our sponsor, XBased, for helping us shine a light on all the services and companies out there changing the real estate landscape. Go ahead and learn more at xspaced.com. That's X-S-P-A-C-E-D.com, Xspaced, the future of rentals for landlords and tenants. Episode, we have Tyler Cobble of the Cobble Group out of Nashville, Tennessee. He's one of the area's top commercial real estate brokers. He runs an Airbnb boutique property management business. He's an expert on leasing, has literally written the book on it, which was a bestseller on Amazon, and is also a bit of a rock star when it comes to marketing using Instagram. A whole lot of wisdom was dropped in this episode. Also, I think Tyler's got some very pointed opinions, and I applaud him for coming out and saying exactly what he believes. We'll even get to the topic of, is your personal home an asset or liability? Check it out. Well, hey, Tyler, welcome to the show. What's going on, Nate? Oh, man, you know, just enjoying finally uh, taking a little breather from some travel. Glad to be back in town. Thank you so much for taking aside some time. I know that you're pretty busy out there showing all the latest and greatest commercial real estate <laughs> in the Nashville area. Always. Uh, <laughs> as always, I like to start the show and give our guests opportunity. Uh, go ahead, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be uh, having this discussion with you. My name is Tyler Cobble. I'm a commercial real estate broker based in Nashville, Tennessee. Been in the business for about five years. Uh, and my firm, The Cobble Group, does everything. Uh, it's kind of a full-service commercial real estate brokerage. So we do office, retail, industrial leasing and sales, multifamily investments. And I recently started, uh, in this past month, a property management company focused on office, retail, industrial, and Airbnb, mm. uh, which is pretty popular in Nashville. Yeah, you know, I didn't think to cover that, but I know that Nashville's got some fun nuances when it comes to Airbnb. So maybe we have to work that in on how you're specializing in that because I know that sure. there's some fun stuff about that. Let's do it. Before we get into that, though, uh, let's let's take a, a step back. What was the journey that led you to, to opening up your own brokerage? So we actually kind of got to go, let's go all the way back to when I was 18. All right. Graduated high school. And uh, have you ever heard of Cutco? Yeah. The knife company. Oh, I saw that you were a salesman back in the yeah. day. Back in the day, man. So uh, as soon as I graduated high school, I'd had some friends that had sold Cutco. Mm -hmm. And I heard, you know, hey, you can make $5,000, $10,000 in a summer. I was like, well, that's definitely what I want to go do. Uh, joined Cutco and broke every record I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. Realized that I really loved sales. I loved just business in general. Mm -hmm. And so um, really had a lot of fun that summer. Went to college and just my income dropped off, wasn't able to work as much. I was taking classes that I'd already taken in eighth grade. UT football sucked and my fraternity got kicked off campus. And I was like, you know what? There's no point in me even being here anymore. Let's, uh, let's get back to work. So I actually, uh, so I stayed at UT for about a year. Mm -hmm. Somehow decided to go back uh, for my sophomore year and about two or three weeks into it dropped out. Just stopped going to class mm -hmm. and started working on a tech startup. 
uh, worked on that for about six months. It was a great idea. I still think it'd be um, a phenomenal uh, business, but just got partnered with the wrong guys, mm-hmm. and uh, which taught me a whole lot about business partnerships, which is beautiful. But ended up moving back to Nashville, working as a project manager for my grandfather and construction company. And about three months into that, got a job offer from a local developer who had heard about what I've been doing in sales and wanted me to come in as their in-house leasing agent and work on their property. So they actually paid for me to get my real estate license and gave me a 150,000 square foot shopping center up in Hendersonville, which is just north of Nashville, and a 57,000 square foot office building in Midtown Nashville to, to lease. And so, you know, five years ago when I got started, the, the market was night and day compared to how it is now. Uh, that office building was at probably 40% vacancy. I mean, Oof. and it was a nice office building. So I worked on those exclusively for about two years mm-hmm. and stabilized them, got them leased up, realized that I had just worked myself out of a job. So I had to start taking on some outside work, uh, which meant representing tenants that were looking for space as well as third-party landlords that had properties they needed to be filled. Um, so that's, uh, and, th- and that same year, I actually uh, put together my first development deal too, hmm. um, which was a 42-unit townhome development uh, in Bellevue, which is southwest Nashville. Uh, but How does it feel driving past that? It's awesome. It's really cool. <laughs> you know, that's, that's one of my, one of my uh, most driving factors uh, for what I do with my career is you know, I want to, not only do I want to drive past it and feel good about it, I want my grandkids to drive past it hmm. and, and for them to enjoy it and not be like, oh, God, I got to turn my head away as we drive past. That's embarrassing. <laughs> I can't believe my grandfather did that. <laughs> um, so it's, it's really cool. But yeah, I was there, um, you know, until this February. Uh, it was kind of a perfect storm. So in January, I got featured in Forbes for my presence on Instagram. Uh, in February, we launched my book, uh, Open for Business, which ended up hitting bestseller in about 48 hours. And so I just had all this momentum going and you know this entrepreneurial spirit that we were talking about earlier today, yep. and it was just time for me to go. So I started my own firm, and uh, we've been off to the races ever since. Let's talk about that book for a minute, because you know when some people say that somebody's an expert then, and they, and they follow up with, they literally wrote the book on it, but you actually <laughs> went that next step and I read it and I for for people out there who don't think reading about real estate is exciting I don't know what's wrong with you I, <laughs> I, I love reading it's thrilling I think it is you know there, there and, and this is this is not just me trying to pander to my guest here uh, seriously I enjoyed reading this one and I have another book on 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 uh, managing taxes which I also think is a thrilling read but we won't go down that line so anyway <laughs> uh, so you wrote the book open for business the insider's guide to leasing commercial real estate. Why did you bother writing a book? Because this this takes, I've worked in publishing, my wife is a professional editor, and I know what kind of time it takes to write a book. I also know what kind of time it takes to close a deal, you know, right. and start to finish. First off, how did you find the time to write this? And also, why bother writing a book? Well, yeah, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in that thing. It took, yeah. me, it took me a little over a year to, to finish everything. Uh, and that's, that's a little over a year of, of working on it constantly. Um, so I had actually joined a mastermind, which is one of the best things I've ever done for my business. And it was, uh, it was a national mastermind actually run by Hal Elrod. He wrote The Miracle Morning. Hmm. Um, and it's a phenomenal group of people. I think there were 40 or 50 people from across the country. And we met two or three times, um, you know, once in Austin, once in San Diego, and then once in uh, Cleveland. And 
What I realized was that the most successful people in that book had, or in that book, the most successful people in that group had all written books. Hmm. So I was sitting over here going, well, I'm not going to be the one chump that didn't write a book. I want to be, you know, I want to join the cool kids in this group. So I just started thinking, you know, what can I possibly write about? Which was, honestly, that was probably the hardest part of the whole Hmm. thing, uh, aside from coming up with a title, which we fought tooth and nail over 20 different titles. Yeah. But uh, I had actually put together an eight-step infographic on how to lease commercial real estate for small business owners because so many small business owners knew their business really well, they had no idea how to go about the leasing process Mm -hmm. to find a space for their business. And so I looked at that and it just kind of clicked like, oh, there's eight chapters. So kind of off to a good start with that. Then somewhere in between the nights and weekends, just sat at the yeah. computer and hated yourself every hour of, of, the, of writing. That's probably. right. That's right. Well, so so the first seven or eight thousand words I wrote myself. Okay. You know, a book about this size, it need, or a book of this uh, caliber needs to be about thirty thousand words. Yeah, of course. Um, and then I ended up getting introduced to my publisher, which has a very unique way of going about it. They actually interview you. Mm-hmm. They've been trained by this Harvard program to interview you on your ideas for the book. And so I had four interviews that were about an hour and a half to two hours long each with an outliner who then helped me set up a whole outline for my book. And then from there, they, uh, we had an editor come in, another four, you know, inter- four, four rounds of interviews that were about an hour and a half, two hours long each. And she asked me questions based off the outline. So they recorded everything that I said. Mm. And so basically I spoke my book. Yeah, didn't have to write too much because you you know it. When someone asks exactly. you the question, you can dig deep. You can pull from. But when you're sitting there writing, you're one word at a time. It can be a really difficult process. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, and also when you're sitting there, your brain moves significantly faster than your fingers do. Yep. And so you're writing it in your brain, but you know you miss type some sort of word or something like that. You got to go back and delete it. You lose your train of thought, and it ruins everything. Yeah. So. Well, you know, and, and so in reading through this, I mean, obviously your commercial brokerage, you focused on business, uh, you know, commercial leasing here. And, you know, let's kind of walk through that. So, you know, I just signed a new lease for some property back in the Northwest, but it's residential. Right. And in the commercial space, you know, the, the rules are a little different. So what are some of the differences between a residential and a commercial lease? And, and I think this is especially helpful for those who are looking to sign their their first building lease or maybe get in their first place. They're like, I've rented a house. I'll right. just go find some commercial space. Right. What's, what are the differences? What do they need to know? Man, where do we even start? <laughs> so typically, um, well, first of all, nothing is standard. There is no standard commercial lease. There's no you know standard negotiation. There's, I mean, everything is negotiable to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no state standardized forms. Um, you know, in Tennessee, there's the Tennessee Association of Realtors, the TAR forms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, residential realtors can use those for leasing properties or for selling homes. You can't do that in commercial real estate because every deal is so different that one lease is not going to make sense. You can't really cover all of the bases, especially with how big these deals are. Right. You know, if there's if there's a big issue inherently with a TAR form, you know, again, these residential real estate standardized forms, whatever, it's one year long. You know, at the end of the day, it's not that long. But we've got three, five, 10, 15 year deals that we're doing for, you know, commercial leases, something's probably going to pop up at some point that, you know, hopefully has been covered in that lease. Yeah. So the leases are all very different. The length, like I just said, you know, residential is typically one year. The shortest we typically do on the commercial side is three years. Mm-hmm. Now there are some exceptions. Um, we represent this co-working space here, Center 615, where my office is. So I will help them do six to 12 month leases here. 
but that's and that's under a co-working context exactly yeah so which is which is obviously is a whole nother i mean we could go down animal we could go down co-working right and spend several hours on that right now because that's in total disruption but exactly yeah okay it's a different animal um you know just like residential you you need to have a broker representing you Mm -hmm. um you know it's pretty much the exact same process too they will help you find the space they will help you negotiate the lease um, and pretty much set you up with everybody. You, you have to have a team assembled. Yeah. You're, you're likely going to need a contractor because not every space is built out ideally for your business. Yeah. Even if it's just paint and carpet, you need to be prepared to be doing that. And then also you've got to have an attorney on your team hmm. because you have to, these, all of these Because these are not pre-filled out, pre-vetted exactly. forms. Yeah. Exactly. These are tailored to fit the landlord's needs. They're one hundred percent in the landlord's favor. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have an attorney review them to make sure that, you know, you're not accepting full responsibility for a fifteen year old HVAC unit that's gonna blow out any day. Yep. That's a ten thousand dollar expense that most small businesses can't handle. Yep. I actually remember when I was I was working for a home builder back in Pennsylvania and we had a building maintenance contract on one of our leases that said we would service all HVAC twice a year. And that, they never came in about, you know, to check that. But I could see exactly right there. If we don't have that serviced twice a year, as our lease says that we're supposed to, and that thing blows, right? You as the tenant, you're you're done. Oh, I yeah. mean, you are you are buying that new unit that goes on the roof. Um, you had mentioned about building the right team, and you talk about this in the book a bit too, as well. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed that's different with residential and commercial. See, on residential, I could just go to Zillow. I just right. I just type in you know an area I want three bedrooms I want two thousand square foot how do I even start with that with commercial because there's not just one central big app that pulls in everything is there there's not there's not and that uh, that can be frustrating for for both the the users the tenants as well as brokers sometimes if you don't have your systems built mm. but yeah I mean you absolutely have to have a broker it's uh, you know unless you want to drive around and try and look for signs in areas that you know you're interested in and even then not only is that inefficient sometimes stuff is just not listed yeah i mean a lot of the deals that we do are off market we happen to know you know i call a broker that i know and he goes hey i've got this listing that's coming up here pretty soon and we do a deal before it ever hits the market yeah Um, that's that's largely how commercial real estate's done so yeah if you don't have a broker on your team when you're looking for space you're at a big disadvantage i mean not only are you you know negotiating against a landlord his attorney and his broker on your own but you know, it's really tough for you to find a space that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, and obviously, then you're competing against everyone else who already has someone working for them. So, you know, the the cards will really be stacked against you. Exactly. Well, and the thing is, too, you know, having a broker, they're not just going to help you find the space and negotiate. They're going to make sure that you're you've got everything put together that you need to have assembled mm-hmm. prior to that, such yeah. as your financials, any business plans, credit reports. Uh, you know, tax returns, because I can't tell you how many times we've been, especially in, in this market now, as hot as Nashville is, we've been in a situation where my client couldn't get their financials put together fast enough. And somebody else came in, swooped in with all everything ready, accepted mm. the landlord's deal as is, and we didn't even have a chance because we didn't even get to the negotiating table because we didn't have our financials put together. Mm. And that's that's just an unfortunate reality of, of that. And, and, you know, if you don't have a broker, you're not going to know that. Yeah. So then how, since, so, you know, you have to have, you know, you have to be building your own team. You have to have people on your side. How do you know you have the right people? That's pretty tough, right? I mean, you've got to really trust. I I always recommend that you do any kind of business on referral. 
just because um, I always recommend that we do any kind of business on referral. Uh, you, you know, I mean, if you're doing your business, you're going to ask your friends, you know, hey, who would you recommend to come paint this office? Because, you know, for your friend to say something means that they've likely used that company before and had a good experience with it. And that's how I recommend going about finding a broker. Your broker is really your, your kind of key point to everybody else because they're dealing with this every day. So if you can find a really good broker that's really well connected, that's that's where you should go. And you mm-hmm. can find a good broker, you know, contact your local BNI groups. Um, typically, you know, they are going to have good brokers in them because if you're not a good person, you will get kicked out of a BNI group very quickly. <laughs> uh, same with the chamber. Chamber of Commerce is great, uh, but you could also, you know, just drive around in an area that you want to look in. Again, like I said, it's inefficient, but. If you tend to see somebody's name over and over again in an area that you want to be in, that's probably somebody that you should call because they know what's going on in that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a good sign that they're already talking with owners. They've already worked with owners in the area, so then you have some references. Exactly. Um, so one of the things that comes up with you know commercial leasing versus residential, there's sometimes these three letters that follow the price, right? You'll have the price, it might say 3000 a month, and then it says plus NNN. What does that mean? Right. So the, the, that's called your nets, the NNN or the triple net. That's um, typically seen in retail, although we are starting to see that move over into office leasing and industrial leasing as well. They're all different, differently structured leases. But triple net means that you're paying for the common area maintenance, taxes, and insurance on the building. Those are your three nets. So basically that $3,000 a month is what the landlord nets to himself. Mm-hmm. And then you have the additional property expenses on top of that. So almost every single retail lease, I mean, every single retail lease I've ever done in my business has always been triple net. Um, there can be some exceptions, um, especially when you get into mixed use buildings, especially mm-hmm. in downtown core areas. You may even have some common area maintenance, such as restrooms in a hallway uh, that you'll have to deal with. But yeah, basically you're, you're paying all of the expenses on the property. That sounds like a good position for the landlord. It's, it's not too bad. <laughs> it's not too bad. They just get to sit back and collect the check. You know, I've thought about it multiple times. I'm like, man, I gotta find a way to get some, get my hands in on some, uh, some commercial real estate because I, I want that five-year guaranteed lease, increases every year. You pay the taxes. The city wants to get crazy, raise the taxes. I don't care. That's doesn't matter. Yeah, no, it's a that's a good position. So, you know what, you know the needing to build the team. I'm sure somewhere along the way, you have seen a deal go wrong because someone did not build a team. Is there any stories that you can share? Obviously, we can change names and businesses sure. and all that. But any stories that you can share about what happens when you don't build a team right? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell a story about a luxury spa that was here in Nashville. Um, obviously, won't share their name. But before uh, before I'd been hired to come in and, and assist them, the owner who was, uh, she's a medical practitioner, she had her medical practice next door. And she decided, well, hey, if I open up a medical spa, which was her, it was her dream. She, she had wanted to have a spa for quite some time. She figured, well, hey, if I open up the spa next door, I can go over and do Botox and then come back to my medical practice. We don't have to have another doctor on staff. It'll save me a lot of money. Makes a lot of sense. All right. The only problem is that she did it in a rural suburb of Nashville that has a high blue collar working class population. Hmm. they're not going to be going to medical spas. So I didn't even know that was a thing. Exactly. 
Yeah, and I, I'm, I, I come from a blue-collar background, so, okay, keep going. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> a Point medical case. spa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, you know, not only that, so not only was the business put into the wrong location, she hired the wrong contractor. That contractor came in and completely ripped her off. I mean, the space was 2,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. He charged her over $100,000 to build it out. And on top of that, had no overhead lights. She had to put lamps in every room. Had one outlet. How is that an oversight? And an outlet, that's the number one thing you need in some sort of salon. I mean, how many? Exactly. One outlet per room. Instead of a full-blown, you know, luxury spa, he did a plastic hot tub from Home Depot. There was a large (laughs) hole in the back of the, you know, in, in in their office that was just exposing all the plumbing that they never covered up. I mean, it was a mess. Oh, wow. And so, you know, it felt horrible for her because yeah. when I came in it was basically like I know that you've spent $100,000 on this but we have to close it or you're going to keep losing more money yeah so you know fortunately we were able to relocate her into a you know higher end luxury part of town where she's very successful now but you know starting off and you know, of course I connected her with a new contractor and yeah. you know we got a better much better landlord that was willing to work with her and you know but that's a terrible way to to start off a business, that is that is brutal. I can only I can only imagine. Uh, I don't think I'll be going into the medical spa business anytime <laughs> soon. Well, you know what's crazy even... though is that that happens all the time. Yeah, all the time. Hmm. Business owners just they sign a lease. They don't really understand what they're signing. I mean, there was a girl that had a boutique uh, who called me. This was in the past year. She was in a very nice walkable part of Nashville where the rents were pretty high, and she had fully accepted the HVAC. And of course. It was three or four months into her lease, the mm. HVAC blew out, and she paid $9,000 for, for a fixture for the landlord. Oh, that's terrible. Well, there you have it, people. Get yourself a team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, and I'll, if I was ever buying in Nashville, obviously, I'd be giving you a call because I don't – these are some of the things that even as a residential agent, and I worked in the space – and you know, I was always going after multifamily because multifamily right. was, in my eyes, it was just more exciting, and I, I, I gravitate towards the income. I don't understand granite countertop. Right. So, but even some of these things, I just had not given thought to, which only adds more credibility to what you're saying. Of hey, you really have the right to have the right people. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I mean, we love working with residential agents. Yeah. Uh, but they're they're one of my biggest sources of referrals, by far. I mean, you might as well get, if you're going to, you know, if you get the commercial deal, but you don't have the ability to take care of it, you, you might as well pass it off to somebody else. Exactly. Take a small payer, you know, smaller uh, little commission on the side. Collect your referral fee and yep. look like a badass because you referred them <laughs> to somebody that knows exactly what they're doing instead yeah. of floundering around because, you, you know, if you're not in the business, like we were just talking about earlier, residential agents can't source commercial deals either. Right, because right. they're they're not they don't have their you know feelers out to the underworld of commercial real estate. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, one of your personal goals, I think I read somewhere, was to you want to put a, a skyscraper on the skyline. Is that is that what it was? Oh, not just any skyscraper. I want to put the most architecturally significant building on the Nashville skyline. Boom. When does that happen? Absolutely. Uh, hopefully in the next 30 years. <laughs> it's going to take a little bit. You know, those are some pretty big, expensive projects. Right. But see, now you go about marketing yourself differently. I mean, obviously, here we are. We're doing the podcast, right? And uh, you, you've written a book, so you, you're covering that angle. But then you also, uh, you're ahead of so many other people in the way you handle marketing, specifically through Instagram. 
it's been a crazy source of business. Now, I never really expected that. I'm gonna first off, I'm gonna throw you in a box because I'm in the same box. <laughs> okay. You're a millennial. Absolutely. And so of course, of course a millennial understands how to use Instagram. But really honestly though, what made you go into like what made you start these Instagram accounts and how did you think that they were going to drive business into commercial real estate, which is, you know, traditionally it's far older age age group, it's right. more well-established businesses, professional channels, you said B&I. I mean, there aren't, I don't know how many of your millennial friends and my millennial friends even know what <laughs> B&I is. Right. You know, that itself is like, are you 45, you may enter. Right. So, you know, how did you think that, that was going to lead to more business? Really didn't, honestly. It, you know, th about two to three years ago when I started focusing on that, it was more of a, hey, I don't want to make it a cold call ever again. So if I want to build a business that's, you know, that gives me that luxury, what am I going to have to have? And, hmm. and of course, Instagram was one of those brand builders. I mean, you could see, you know, people that had 100,000, 250,000, a million plus followers that it was more of a brand thing for them. It mm -hmm. wasn't a, hey, come look at this thing I'm trying to sell you. It's they're selling their lifestyle. Yep. And so, you know, that's what I wanted to do that I see a lot of people just get wrong is, you know, no one cares about that open house that you have on Sunday from two to four. It's a terrible photo. The graphics are really bad. It looks no, no, like my it's, grandmother did it's it. It's the flyer. It's the flyer, <laughs> the flyer. On, on the kitchen table they took a photo of. That's, That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a picture of you from 20 years ago. <laughs> like, come on. We all know that you don't look like that anymore. You're just you're kidding yourself. So, yeah. So, it, it was much more of a, a long-term branding thing. I knew that I was going to be doing this for the rest of my life. And if I wanted to set myself up for success later on, I knew that it was a long-term play. And so, we were just going to start playing that game. Hmm. And, you know, the, the key to Instagram is just photo quality. So, you know, that's why I have Cody on my team who takes some amazing photos. And hmm. we're, we're very consistent about posting those. I love interacting with people. I respond to every single message that comes in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I try to, to share behind the scenes of it. So it's not just a, you know, hey, look at how amazing everything is all the time. I'm also going to show you, you know, hey, here's something bad that happened today. We lost a deal because of this. And, you know, here's what I learned from it. And, you know, I hope it never happens again. But, you know, yeah. I, I, I learned something from it. So, yeah, Instagram was not, it wasn't intentional. Now we get a fair amount of business through it. I mean, yeah. we were working on a $5 million deal uh, not too long ago because of it. Wow. I had a, I had a three and a half million dollar purchase come in through it. And I've had, I've had a number of deals from 250,000 to about a million dollars that we're working on right now that have come in because they found us through Instagram. Wow. I mean, it just, it builds that image of, Hey, it, it gives you credibility. Yeah. Like this guy actually knows what he's doing. Yep. Um, which is, uh, you know, so when you're, when you're younger in the business, you need cumulatively, how many followers do you have? So on commercial in Nashville, I've got about just under 12,000 followers. Mm -hmm. And on architecture in Nashville, I've got about just under 38,000. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think that's significant brand presence obviously beats the average realtor. And see, I know that it's not just a bot following people and then unfollowing or liking the first two photos and oh, then yeah. keeping moving. You, you can know? tell. You, you can tell right away. And it does help that Nashville has is absolutely like a, a photogenic city. Right. I mean, it makes it, my job easy. <laughs> you know, those bright red sunsets that we get, the Batman building, you know, it, it does help and, and makes the city, you know, look pretty cool from that angle. And I, I think that's pretty cool. I think that that's cool that you've gone that route and seen that, you know, hey, you've got to be looking forward in how you're doing your advertising. Now, I want to ask you about one story you shared on, on there, since you have such a presence on there. <laughs> yeah, recently, your 
uh, apartment building management or condo building management just closed up your package shipment room? Oh yeah. <laughs> did, yeah. Did, did they reach out to you for? <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. No, and I know that company. Yeah, I've, I've actually rented from them before. And I'm a big proponent of renting versus owning your own house. We can talk about that later. Wait, what? So I, I got to finish the story. So, so basically, <laughs> yeah. what happened is, they, they, the, the building said, "Hey, we're getting too many packages, right?" Right. And said, "You know what? We're not going to accept your packages. You need to go to the post office and get them yourself." Yes. Well, so they they said, "Hey, we're getting too many packages. We're going to renovate the package room to make it okay. able to handle more packages." But instead of just moving in bigger lockers, which you could, I mean. I'm in the management business. You can do that overnight. They decided to just shut down the parcel room for an inexplicable extended period of time. And so, yeah, I, I looking at my Amazon, I had ordered a Roomba, which I don't know if you have one of those things, but they're Not amazing. Yet. I want to get one. Like, what's his face off of Parks and Rec where you put your iPhone on it and then it's yes. DJ Roomba? <laughs> it just drives around. <laughs> those things are great. But anyway, of course, I had to have this. I don't want to sweep my own apartment. Yeah. Looking at it, it's like, oh, they tried to deliver it, but uh, they're not going to deliver it to your apartment. Like, they left a note. It's like, we're not delivering it to you. So I had to go pick it up in the post office. And as soon as I told her what my address was, she, the, the lady behind the desk was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely here. We've been getting a lot of those lately. <laughs> I was like, that, first of all, that was super sassy. But also, what is wrong with my apartment complex to where they're, they're going to allow that to happen? I, I just love that you finished the, the story. It was like, just get your shit together. Yeah, <laughs> get your like, shit together. <laughs> that I thought was funny and I, I, I could not not bring that up on the show that, that was too good um, yeah, I like to have fun I mean I think I think in Forbes it talked about how like I can I range from you know business casual to you know talking about some sort of deal we just did to in a in matching pajamas with my mom on Christmas you know like it's it's a little bit of everything yeah so no let's let's talk about um, you, well, you're doing some Airbnb management now Absolutely. So you're you're leasing, you're you're helping people develop property, but now you, you've kind of I mean it's almost residential. That's almost like a residential tinge to it, but it's different in Nashville because there's been some regulations they passed recently. That's right. That have changed how you can do Airbnb. So maybe talk about the project you got because you get some townhouses mm -hmm. that are eligible for Airbnb. What makes these townhouses special and why is this project maybe something of specific interest to investors? That's right. So Nashville, for those of y'all that don't know, Nashville has a very interesting permitting system. There are three different types of permits. One is an owner-occupied, one is a non-owner-occupied, and then the third is just commercial. Yep. Um, I think is kind of how they disclaim that. Now they're, they're phasing out non-owner-occupied. So non-owner-occupied used to mean you could go buy a residential property, not live in it, and you could rent it out. Mm -hmm. Well, Nashville decided to get rid of that. Uh, too many people were complaining about frat parties happening next to their million-dollar house. And instead of uh, you know fixing that through the HOA or moving to somewhere where that couldn't happen, we decided to impede upon everybody's property rights. They're called NIMBYs, That's right. by the way. Yeah, NIMBYs. <laughs> Seriously, not in my backyard. I mean, you, these they're the kind of people that you could you could take a dump truck full of gold and drop it off in their front yard, and they'd be pissed that there was a dump truck in their front yard. Like, doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, so so. Now everybody's building townhouses in commercial zoning because those townhouses get treated just like a boutique hotel. Mm. So you go in, you can get a permit, no problem. It's commercially zoned. If they're going to allow hotels to do it, they have to allow Airbnb to do it. And so, yeah, I got us, I got, uh, so my management company, Parasol Property Management, 
I got that name, the preferred management company of a 38 unit new construction development down the street from us here in wow. East Nashville. Wow. And so, yeah, we're, we're managing those. And, and, and it's a little bit different because, uh, you know, I would do multifamily management. We've decided not to branch into that yet because we'd rather build the Airbnb and commercial side. But, you know, these are typically higher dollar deals mm-hmm. uh, and we're getting a higher percentage fee because of the amount of work that goes into it. Yep. Uh, as opposed to, you know, somebody paying $800 a month for a year and we're having to deal with, you know, their toilet breaking. Yep. It's just a different kind of different kind of deal. Yeah. No, and, and property management is something that I have a high interest in. And we've had a few people. We've had one rent on the show and, and Renters Warehouse. And yeah. between the two of those, it's, they, they do over $4 billion in single family home management, but not the Airbnb side because it's a whole nother beast. It's not, it's not the same. Different. They're completely different. You know, there's not enough hours in the day to keep up with prospecting, developing new deals, inspections, open houses, just all the paperwork that comes with being a real estate agent. It's just overwhelming sometimes. That's why I'm excited that we've partnered up with Offer to Close. Offer to Close is a transaction coordinator service that I believe you've been waiting for. No lengthy contracts with them, no masses overhead, and you only pay when you close deals. Here's how it works. Offer to Close has transaction coordinators that are also licensed agents, so you can have full confidence in who's helping manage your transactions. Offer to Close helps manage your transactions from contract to close, helping you stay focused on your business rather than administrative work. I want you to go ahead and find out more at OfferToClose.com. That's OfferToClose.com, OfferToClose.com. You know, and, and since Airbnb, you know, they, they've really pioneered a lot of stuff. And this show is about tech. Uh, I'm curious, what tools or softwares are you using that you're excited about? They're going to make your life easier, but also better serve your clients. Absolutely. So the best uh, tool, one of the best tools we use is Pat Live, mm-hmm. which is a, it's a phone answering service that, you know, you kind of help them set up a script and they will answer 24 seven, which mm. is, which is really important just to, to make that initial touch. If somebody's calling me and they want to sell their building, I don't ever want it to go to voicemail. That just doesn't look good. Like right now, you and I are talking. Exactly. If somebody called my office right now, somebody would answer. If you called at 2 in the morning on a Saturday, somebody's going to answer. See, and that's so funny that you would say that you don't want it to go to voicemail because the stereotype is that a realtor's inbox is going to be full. And it's the most frustrating. I know. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, you call the realtor and you're like, you just wanted to ask about a building. And it says, this inbox is full. And you're like, what the hell? What the hell, man? It's it's the worst. Yep. And I, I tell people in my voicemail, hey, if you want to actually get a response, text me. Because it could yep. be three days, four days, a week before I even look at these voicemails. Because I just know who I am and yep. I will respond to texts. Yep. Um, so Pat Live is pretty amazing. I mean, they, they you set up a script with them. I mean, if you called right now, they go, you know, hey, thank you for calling the Cobble Group. This is Pat. Uh, and it's obviously not Pat every time. But, you know, are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? Yep. Every time. Boom. No one could ever tell that that's not my secretary, yep. which is it's phenomenal. Another one that I, we've been using here recently is Asana, mm-hmm. A-S-A-N-A. That yep. is a, it's a project and task management software that yep. I swear has increased my team's productivity by tenfold. Uh, I mean, it's unreal just what you can, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that I think of something and if I don't write it down, it's gone forever. So if it it's gives, not on the calendar, it doesn't exactly. exist. Yep. If it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist. Um, I'm not going to make it. Sorry. Yep. Even even friends' birthdays sometimes, which is terrible. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I can think of something, go through, write it down, assign it to somebody else, and then watch one of my watches. One of my team members completes that task. Yeah, and they can take notes on it and everything. You know, everything that happened. Yeah, Sauna's great. 
You know, one of the best uh, email tools I have is called Boomerang. Yep. It's a Gmail extension. Have you ever yep. heard of this? I use it. It's awesome. Yep. So if you send an email, I can set it so, you know, hey, if uh, somebody doesn't respond in two days, it's going to send that email back to me and then I can follow up with them again. And I can't tell you how many times, because, you know, you're not going to make notes of like, hey, I sent this email to so-and-so. I'm going to make sure to follow up on that. You're not going to do it. No. Nope. So it just bounces it right back to you and you look at it and go, hey, okay, time to follow up. Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're not, you know, with a a heavy, you know, or expensive CRM that's going to keep you moving. And, you know, you, if you're only managing a handful of deals at a time, but you need to stay up on a handful of people and you right. cannot let them drop. Boomerang's one, and it, and it does the send later, which is a fun little tool. Yep. So, you know, like, you know, I, I, we're we're doing like a full product review here, but, you know, like, <laughs> you need to call us, you need to call them and be like, hey, but see, here's I got what, a podcast for you to sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I should. But here's what's happening. So, Tyler's hanging out on a rooftop, sitting back with a cocktail, hanging out with some friends, and it's a Saturday. At the same time, the email is firing out because he wrote that on Friday, said send later on Saturday. Exactly. It's reminding people of things. They're like, hey, I should call Tyler back and tell him I'm interested in building. They call back, Pat Live's answering the phone, and then everything's good. Everything's just operating smooth while you still get to enjoy your life. And I think that's the one bit that working in real estate for people is so difficult to actually be able to enjoy their life. And, and this is why I'm so passionate about real estate and tech, because the demands are high, the speed of business is ridiculous. And if you don't take the time to learn some of these technologies, even something as simple as Boomerang and Asana, which- Oh, absolutely. Let's, let's not, I mean, we're not kidding anybody. They're not rocket science stuff. No. But they can be life-changing or oh, yeah. giving in, in a way. I mean, I try to save time everywhere I can. I've got this other app that I use called Calendly. Yep. And you know, if somebody ever reaches out to me and wants to set up a meeting, now I won't do this if I'm reaching out to them because then you'll just kind of come off as a dick. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, would you like to book a time with me? Go ahead and talk to my Here, automated tool. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so basically I just send somebody a link to my calendar and they can go through and yep. find a time slot that works for them, schedule it, put in where the meeting's gonna be, and it's done. Yeah. We had none of this back and forth of, well, how does Tuesday at 2 p.m. No, or 7 p.m. work? No, none of those work for you? Okay, yeah. well, how about Thursday at this time? Well, no, you, it's just back and forth and back and forth. It saves everything. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Um, I use it as well. Uh, we use it for all, booking all of our meetings. And it's so cheap. It, it automatically puts the, you know, I use Zoom for a lot of our calls. It puts it into, you know, the, the meeting invites. All the information is there. It's it makes a hundred percent sense. Uh, you should be using the people. Oh, it's it's get brilliant. Along. Yeah, if, if I mean, if it saves you ten minutes, it's already yep. paid for itself. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. We're we're winding down. We're almost to the bottom of the show here. And before we jump into that, there was one particular question we talked about before the show, and this is outside of commercial leasing. We've covered commercial leasing, I think, quite a bit, but there's still a lot more uh, to understand, and and that would just take us days. Uh, but before we jump to the bottom of the show. Uh, true or false, buying your own personal residence is an asset. False. I think that's a big major false. And I, I talked about this on Instagram and it caused quite a bit of drama. I mean, I had people messaging me because, you know, it was like I had just insulted the one thing that they thought was the most precious investment they'd ever made. And no, I mean, your, your home, unless you are renting it out and it's cash flowing or you're doing Airbnb or something to that extent, and you're making money off of it, it is not an asset. It mm -hmm. is a liability. 
you have to pay property taxes, you have to pay insurance. And this is assuming it's completely paid off and you're not paying a mortgage. You know, if the HVAC unit blows out, one doesn't just magically appear, you have to go pay for that. That is what's called a liability. Yep. Now, you know, it can your personal home be a good investment? Absolutely. It can be. Um, sure, you just have to know how to time the market. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, look, if you had bought your home in 2006 and you had to sell it in 2009, you would not be thinking that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it can be a good investment over the long term for sure. But no, it's it's still a liability. I don't care who you are. Yeah, I, I'm 100% in that same camp. Um, you know, I, I know we, 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 we're at the age where a lot of our friends are like, I'm just trying to buy a home or I just want to you know, settle down and, and secure a spot. And, you know, honestly, I'll go with a little bit more discomfort for the next 10 years because, right. you know, I can, I can leverage that money to get greater returns in other areas or to be in a better position to do things or actually invest. Exactly. Well, I mean, and that's, that's what just kind of baffles me about people wanting to buy their own personal home in their early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s is that you can take that $50,000 that you were going to spend on a home and team up with a couple of friends, buy some commercial real estate that cash flows, and you're going to make money. Yep. Then, you know, after a few years, you've raised rents there, you can refinance that property, pull out some money tax-free, either use that for yourself or start investing that again in more real estate. Oh, that, see, that's, start making that's a show in of itself. <laughs> the, the, the tax-free benefits of real estate refinancing. Yes, it is some of the most brilliant money that you can absolutely make out there. But uh, we we don't even have time to, to touch that one. Yeah, that that we can be talking about that for three <laughs> hours. But yeah, so so that's that's kind of where I am. Is you know you're in your early twenties. Yep. You don't need to be settling down for security unless you have kids or whatever. And even then, it it's not like a home really provides you much more security than an apartment complex does. Yep. Um, you know the name of the game is cash flow. How much money can you make? Yep. You know as as quickly as possible. I love it. All right, we're going to shift into the segment I call For the Future. Uh, For the Future is a segment where I ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Tyler, ready to play? Let's play. All right. First question, what does the Cobble Group look like one year from now? One year from now? Well, so my goal for this year was to have the largest presence in East Nashville, largest commercial real estate presence in East Nashville. And if we're not there yet, we're about to be. Um, I mean, there's nobody else that's focused on this market. So I want to, you know, in the next year, I want to see us dominating this market. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? Seriously, though, for people in Nashville, if you're not following Tyler uh, or commercial in Nashville on Instagram, you're missing out on all the cool boutique shop grand openings, <laughs> no baked cookie dough, retrograde coffee. Like no. this is how I find these places to take my wife on dates. Is yeah. I follow this account and that's how I find all these places. So you know, people always ask me, they're like, "Are you a food blogger or a commercial real estate broker?" Like, I can't figure it out. <laughs> uh, question number two: What does the housing market look like one year from now? Oh, I, I mean, it's already starting to slow down. Um, we're starting to see houses sit on the market uh, days on market are longer. Yep. It's going up, but you know, under a certain price range, they're still moving quickly. So you know, those upper end, it's really slowing down. Yeah. So you know, everybody's kind of predicting twenty twenty. It's going to be a real slowdown, but I think a year from now it's going to be significantly slower than it is now. Yeah, I think it's coming. I agree. Uh, when will the next big boom or bust happen in real estate? I think that's really tough to say. I think if anybody could predict that, they'd be wealthier than Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett combined. <laughs> but 
you know, I so here's what I'm seeing. This is kind of what we're tracking based on the data that we're seeing coming out. Um, you know, on commercial real estate, we've been seeing six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent year over year increases of property value. And in 2020, we're expecting that to go down from you know six, eight, nine percent to 1.5, 1.82% year over year, which sounds really bad, but keep in mind it's still positive. Hmm. Um, so you know, everything is cyclical. You know, it's it's interesting if you look at this past downturn, there was only one year where property values were negative. Hmm. Other than that, they were increasing. Hmm. So, you know, I see, uh, I, I think keep buying real estate as long as you can, <laughs> especially when you live in a market like Nashville. Nashville's yeah. never going to get smaller than it is already. No. This is Atlanta in the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. the way that I see it. it Nashville's going to grow straight down the Franklin. People in Columbia, hold on. Hold on oh, to Columbia. Yeah. Columbia is going to be a spot. I know. I didn't even know what Spring Hill and Thompson Station were when I was growing up as a kid. Oh, and man. now they're, you know, giant neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Question number four. Uh, what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of technological advances? Residential real estate agents. Oh, <laughs> he said it. <laughs> Hands down. Hands down. I think that uh, this is a very controversial topic. I've had people get really upset at me because they work as a residential real estate agent. Sure. Now, look, can you replace the relationship? Absolutely not. So will a residential real estate agent still be around to some extent? Sure. But you look, you know, it's funny. Zillow is getting residential real estate agents to pay for their own demise. They're funding it. <laughs> Zillow is, I mean, and Zillow has made it very clear what they're trying to do. They want to cut out the middlemen and sell everything themselves. Hmm. And they're getting residential real estate agents to pay to advertise on that platform. Right. Guess what Zillow is doing with that money? Building the anti-residential agent. Um, so, you know, that's actually one kind of good thing for commercial brokers is that the deals are a little more complicated and we don't have a centralized platform that anybody's using. So it's a little tougher to see that phasing out. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what people are buying cars through apps and they're getting delivered to their house. Yeah. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, if you had said that, people would have called you crazy. Well, I mean, even with investors, it's already been seen. Memphis Invest started it and really perfected the streamlined, you know, uh, turnkey investments. Right. Roofstock is now taking it the next step level with their online, and we had them on the show, uh, with, with their hu- their portal, the huge amount of inventory they have. They come from an institutionalized background. Right. So you take the maturity of markets, you add tech to it, and smart tools. Yeah, I, I think there's an argument there that a lot of residential brokers are not going to have a job in the way that they have a job now. Exactly. It's gonna fun- I do fun- also agree, fundamentally, it's gonna change. Right. That is an unpopular opinion, and I can't wait for <laughs> Inman uh, and the group to get at me. I know. I'm going to be getting some phone calls <laughs> after this. That's all right. Well, well we're going to jump into the last three here. These are actually uh, more about you, Tyler, uh, so our listeners can learn more about you. Cool. Uh, first one, you wrote a book, but what are you reading? What am I reading? Um, I've got Russell Brunson's book on my nightstand right now. Which one? Uh, what's it called? I honestly couldn't even tell you the name right now. I'm trying to think of what they are. Um, expert secrets. So no, so I've secrets. read. I've, I, that's actually the next one. Most people read dot com secrets and then read expert secrets. I was gifted a book by one of my clients, Expert Secrets, 
Um, and I'm loving that block. I mean, I think Russell Brunson's a genius when it comes to online marketing. Mm. Uh, and we're actually about to start implementing some stuff in uh, you know, my business with the book, just like what he does with his books. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to just copy him as much as possible. And he talks about that all the time. He's like, yeah. hey, just copy me. And he for the, does it right. I mean, I, you guys can't see this, but I literally just pulled .com secrets yeah. out of my backpack. So that's, that's why it was kind of funny that you said that. Um, question number two, who are you learning from? Who am I learning from? Um, I think that that's a great question. You know, it changes every day. I've got there are plenty of people in my life that I look to as mentors. You know, I don't have one person that I would say this is my mentor. I have a lot of people that I would say, you know, these are my mentors because there, are, you know, there's so much to learn from everybody. Everybody has different experiences, and they're going to have a different viewpoint on certain aspects of things. And I love that. So, pretty much anybody that's older than me, I'll try and learn from them. Got it. And the last one, uh, what keeps you inspired or what inspires you? You know, I'm fortunate enough to get to live in the city that I grew up in and now have an impact on how beautiful that city is. So for me, I'm building the city that I want to see. Hmm. And that every day drives me. It's so much fun getting to work with these small businesses and entrepreneurs that are coming out here and changing the game. You know, groups like No Baked Cookie Dough, you know, again, 10, 15 years ago, if you said, hey, somebody's going to open up a cookie dough shop and it's going to do really well, you probably would have thought they were crazy. Yeah. But, they're, but everybody loves eating cookie oh, dough. who doesn't love cookie dough? It's, I don't know. There's some weirdos out there. there are, well, let's not get into that. They're everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, No Baked, uh, you know, th those kinds of concepts, I love yeah. working with them because they're new, they're innovative, and they're pushing the boundary of what retail is. Yeah. And I love that. It's awesome. Tyler, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I, I, I think that anybody, regardless if you're in commercial or residential, there's something for everybody in here. Uh, everyone who owns their personal house, go ahead and re-examine your priorities. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before, before I close out the show, um, where do people go to connect directly with you and learn more about the Cobble Group? Absolutely. So you can go to tylercobble.com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. That's really the best way if you want to keep in touch because uh, I will actually respond to you. It's just at commercial in Nashville mm -hmm. and uh, or LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn, just Tyler Cobble. Cool. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for your time. Everyone listening, you know, definitely check out uh, what Tyler's doing on Instagram. If you want to up your marketing game, check out his book on Amazon. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm actually leaving the Nashville area. I'm kind of bummed we only just got to meet, uh, meet but next time I'm, in, I'm back in the area, we'll catch up. Absolutely. Nate, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, have a safe trip. Thanks. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Nest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list so you never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later. <laughs>